So let's talk about the truth of something called autophagy. It's a fascinating biological process that's always happening to a certain degree. And I'm going to get into all the triggers and how long it takes to get an autophagy. But this is what autophagy does. It self-eats. It eats the junk from your body and transforms that into usable things. So it's like a very complex junkyard with a recycling unit right next to it. And when I say junk, I'm talking about unusable damaged proteins in the body, which trigger inflammation. Also, it recycles something called organelles. What's an organelle? Well, inside your cells, you have all these different um, machines that are on an assembly line to actually make certain stuff. You have the mitochondria, you have other machines that make certain proteins. Well, if there's any damage that goes on to that machinery, well, autophagy can take care of it. And autophagy helps to get rid of pathogens, right? Like bacteria, fungus, mold, and viruses. All of those can also trigger uh, inflammation as well. And it gets rid of something else called viral antigens. Now, what is a viral antigen? Well, there's something on viruses that signal your immune system to create a reaction that can also cause inflammation. And it's also part of the antibody production machine, which I'm not going to get into, but what you should know is autophagy clears all that up. So if there is something in the background that is stirring up inflammation in your body, it can kind of wipe that out and start from like a ground zero level where you don't have that anymore. This is why autophagy is considered kind of like an anti-aging cleaning system of the body. And it doesn't just clean stuff up. It provides new raw material to build new things, new cells, as well as to provide fuel when you need it. Now, how do you get into autophagy? Well, you're already probably into autophagy to some degree. The question is, is it significant or not? To really create any type of significant autophagy, you need to deplete your reserves to some degree. You have to deplete some energy reserve in the body. And before I get into that, there's two things that will stop autophagy very fast. And the big one is sugar, okay, because that's a fuel source, and protein as well. But any significant amount of calories will stop this autophagy. Because think about what autophagy is. It's the recycling of proteins and other things that are related to that. And if you have enough protein available, it doesn't necessarily have to recycle your old proteins. All right, so now here's what you need to know. Healthy cells and cancer cells. So this next thing I'm going to tell you is very important uh, because autophagy, it sounds like it can really help you, but there's a paradox. It can actually hurt you in relationship to cancer. Autophagy acts as a very strong protective barrier against disease. So if you're constantly cleaning up those damaged mitochondria, you can bypass and avoid this cancer as well as avoiding a lot of other diseases. But if you let your body go to the point where you now you have cancer, autophagy can help the progression of cancer. It can help grow the cancer. Why? Because, well, autophagy is going to provide the resources for this cancer. It's going to provide the fuel for this cancer. Does that make sense? And there's multiple ways that autophagy can support cancer. And so there's one type of uh, medicine that targets this one area. And what they have done is they've created uh, autophagy inhibiting drugs to stop that from happening. And it seems to really help as an anti-cancer therapy. 
And one of the drugs is called hydroxychloroquine. But of course, there are a lot of side effects with all drugs. So research is also looking at non-toxic inhibitors of autophagy. So if someone had cancer, they can use those as well. And there's a lot of research on that. I'm going to put a link down below of a research paper that I just did a deep dive on. And I'm going to list some natural, mostly plant-based inhibitors of autophagy if someone has cancer. But realize that when I list these natural remedies, these are not things you're going to have to worry about to inhibit autophagy if you don't have cancer, okay? Because they're very healthy things for a healthy cell as well. But very unfortunately, uh, we have this uh, double-edged sword with autophagy. It can help you if you're healthy. It can hurt you if you're not healthy. And unfortunately, a lot of people wait until they get sick or wait until they get cancer before they do something about it, especially in the stimulation of more autophagy, right? Because autophagy can be very good if you're healthy and it can prevent a lot of problems. So this might be one motivating factor for you to do what I'm gonna tell you to do next to trigger more autophagy. Hands down, the single most potent thing to trigger autophagy is fasting, okay? Fasting, why? Because you're depleting your excess, your calories, and you're forcing your body to become very efficient by recycling a lot of these damaged proteins. Now, the big question is how many hours of fasting do you really need to do before you start triggering autophagy? Well, like I said before, you're already in autophagy to some degree. It could be just turned way down. And so just like with exercise, right? When you do exercise, you have two types of exercise. You have aerobic exercise, okay? And you have anaerobic exercise. And each one of those uses a different type of fuel. So if you're going to run up a hill, you're initially going to use your glucose, right? And then if you slow down and you're jogging, eventually you're going to start burning your fat. But during this process, you're really burning percentages of sugar and fat. And so when you're doing low intensity, long duration, you're burning more fat, but you're still burning a little sugar as well. So both the metabolism for sugar and fat are on dials, they're on dimmer switches. So the dimmer switch starts to be turned up as you start going into like about 18 hours of fasting. And it really starts going up when you start getting into 48 to 72 hours of fasting. But a lot of this depends on what you're eating, okay? Because let's say uh, you are eating a tremendous amount of sugar, right? Or carbohydrates. And then you're going to go on this fast for 18 hours. Well, you might have to fast a lot longer because you're going to have to burn up all this sugar. You're going to also have to tap into your, your glycogen reserve in your liver and deplete that as well. So one really simple strategy is to go on a low sugar, low carbohydrate diet. So that way we don't have a lot of this sugar sitting there. We're going to tap into it and deplete it very quickly. So you can actually have the benefits of autophagy a lot quicker. Now, the other little tip is we talked about protein, right? So if you want a little bit more advantage from autophagy, you wouldn't want to necessarily do a high protein diet. You'd want to do a moderate amount of proteins, right? Because again, we want to deplete these proteins. We want to fully digest them because as soon as you eat a meal, it's going to take at least eight hours for all those calories to be assimilated and go into your system. But out of all of the three macronutrients, fat, okay, is the least affected with autophagy. In other words, if we compare fat to sugar, sugar is the one that really depletes the autophagy way more than fat. But that being said, if you're like snacking even on fat, which has a good amount of calories through the day, you're not gonna really turn that dial up 
with autophagy. You need to actually fast and not eat anything. You can have certain nutrients, vitamins and minerals and sea salt, but not any calories. This other tip I want to mention is related to doing a dry fast or a water fast. Now, what, what do I mean dry fast or water fast? Well, you're fasting, you're not eating anything except you're drinking water. That's called a water fast. A dry fast is you're not eating anything and you're not drinking anything. Apparently, when you do a dry fast, which means no food, no water, your body goes into a much deeper autophagy. The effects are roughly about three times more than a water fast, which makes sense because you're adding more stress to the body and you're forcing a deeper cleansing. Now, you have to be in pretty good shape to do a prolonged dry fast where you're not drinking water for sometimes a few days, which I'm not really promoting. But that being said, what if you were just to shift when you drank water to actually have more fasting without water? Like, for example, on your last meal, right? You drink water, but then you don't drink right before bed. And then all night long, you're fasting without water, you're doing dry fasting, and you get a little bit more benefit from that. Because if you fasted from last night's dinner all the way until maybe noon or one o'clock or two o'clock, and then you had your first drink of water, that may produce more results. And let's say you're still drinking two and a half liters of fluid, but you're drinking that between, let's say, 12 noon or one o'clock or two o'clock and then six o'clock. Okay, so that's fasting. Number two, cutting down your calories and not overeating does mimic fasting to a certain degree. If you were to consume, let's say 500 calories and not on a regular basis, just occasionally, that could help you increase your autophagy, especially if you're gonna go into an actual fasting period of time. Why? Because you're not eating a lot of calories and you're gonna use those up pretty quickly. And then you're gonna go into autophagy much faster, especially if those lowered amount of calories were lower amount of carbs and lower amount of protein, as in maybe a huge salad with a little bit of protein. All right, number three, I kind of already talked about fasting, but I'm just, in this point, I want to bring up just doing consistent intermittent fasting with a minimum of 18 hours. Uh, but if you could push to 20 hours, that would be a lot better. And then combining that with number four, which is exercise. Exercise depletes your resources. It stimulates autophagy. And believe it or not, aerobic exercise, right? A lower intensity, longer duration uh, will stimulate more autophagy than high intensity resistant training. But I recommend to do both of them because if you look at a long distance runner, they probably go through a lot of autophagy, but they're very, very thin. They don't have as much muscle versus uh, someone that does weight training or resistant types training. Developing those muscles are very, very healthy for many reasons. So autophagy and building up muscles don't really mix too well. So I would highly recommend to do a combination of both. But the point is that let's say you're doing intermittent fasting and you actually do a workout okay, during the fast. That can compound things and make things better because you're tapping out your resources. You're using up your resources when you're fasting because you're not eating anything and you're increasing your metabolism and you're using up your ATP, causing an increase in autophagy. And just as a side note, we've mentioned with water and everything, I don't know if you know this, but when you actually burn fat, your body does release water, okay? Yeah, you get water from burning fat. So your body's not completely starving without water. 
Now, number five, and I've already mentioned this before, I just want to emphasize it. To really build up autophagy, you want to reduce your carbs as low as possible. Okay, we, you know why, but we want to reduce those carbs. And number six, I already talked about this, but I want to emphasize it. You don't necessarily want to go too high with your protein, go lower with the amount of protein. And I'm not talking about low protein diet. I'm talking about a moderate amount of protein. And then number seven, uh, there's certain phytonutrients that create a hermetic or a stress response to the body that can trigger autophagy to a certain degree. Uh, the certain phytonutrients in coffee, tea, especially green tea, uh, berberine, adaptogens like ashwagandha, certain mushrooms, ginger, things like that. Now, before we end off, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about cancer. If someone has cancer, whatever program that they do, they probably also want to add a few of these items I'm going to talk about that are research, and I'll put the link down below, of things that can inhibit autophagy. So that way we can starve off the cancer even more. In addition to not feeding the thing that cancer just loves the most, which is sugar. Now I want to list some of the natural inhibitors of autophagy. All right, number one, stony sponge, okay? You probably have a sponge right now in your kitchen, right? Well, apparently the stony sponge has certain properties that can inhibit autophagy. Apigenin, that's a phytochemical that is in certain foods. You can look that up. It's in a lot of different foods. Curcumin, which is in turmeric. Okay, that's one. Black cumin seed, that's another one. The next one is thunder of God vine. And then retinol, which is the active form of vitamin A. All of those are being researched right now for their natural inhibition of autophagy, which is one strategy for cancer. Like 54% are being researched by drug companies right now, finding ways to extract and then, you know, put them in certain compounds where they can patent them. But I will say this one last thing about drug companies, as much as I can't stand them, if they could at least come up with remedies or treatments that have low side effects, that would be a great thing.